probably the most exciting um, book to me simply because of the uh, simply because of the the material that's in there a lot of your Christology will come from Hebrews and I'm not trying to make it I'm not trying to make it dry uh, but today is going to be our introduction to Hebrews so um, I do plan on getting into some of the scripture but I do want us to build a foundation of Hebrews so we understand everything that we're reading so we did this with the book of John we did this with Romans we did this with Colossians and all the other books that we studied um, a lot of times where we fail to realize is when we study in a, an epistle or we're studying a book uh, in the Bible we don't know the history behind it so we don't understand what's actually being said a lot of times like for example if you if you remember me talking about Romans um, when I talked about Paul writing to the Roman church it is to be reminded that the Roman church was already an existing church it was actually a very large church and because it was a very large church these are folks that already had been baptized in Jesus name they'd already been filled with the Holy Ghost they have already uh, uh, conformed and 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 uh, followed after the teaching of the apostles doctrine and, and the teaching of the Bible and and in the scriptures that that was available to them in the teaching uh, of those that led them so when we read uh, the first chapter of of uh, Romans and it is and it addresses uh, different certain things that were happening within the church he was addressing it to a church that already knew this how many of y'all have ever heard me preach before and you've said to yourself I've heard that story before probably this last sermon when I talked about the lepers because we've all heard about the ten lepers so when we're reading the epistles, especially Hebrews and, and Romans and all of these epistles are written, we have to think in mind that a lot of this stuff is almost as if Paul is preaching a sermon to people that some of us has already heard, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Or maybe we're sliding into a direction that's not right, and Paul as a bishop, also as a pastor at heart, is trying to get the church to line back up. Does that make sense? Uh, why, why did he write to Corinthians? Mainly the reason why he wrote to the Corinthian church is because of, uh, and in our study we found, is because they were tore up from the floor up. I mean, they were a big church too, but the bigger they got, the more important some people thought because they started winning politicians. They started winning the wealthy. They started winning a lot of people to the church and they wanted to change the things that was being taught in the church to appease them, and Paul had to line things back up and say, listen, God is no respecter of person. Uh, you cannot have segregation in the church. You can't put somebody because they have more wealth in a higher place in the church. You can't put somebody that is poor in a lower part of the church. You can't put somebody from a different ethnic background higher than another in the church. And that's what the Corinthian church was doing. So he was writing to a church that already knew this, but had an influx of people come in, so that he had to come back and remind them. Amen? Um, 
So he did that in Romans. He did it in Colossians. Uh, why did he write the, the Galatians? Because the Galatians had an issue with some folks coming in telling them that, uh, that just like I, I taught on holiness, uh, no one has a right to say anything but me and Sister Miller. That's it. Nobody. But in Paul's time, guess what? He had the same problem. Had the same problem. Some of these other church members were sliding in behind the pastor's back, if you please, and saying, you know, you should be doing this, and you should be doing that, when it wasn't their role. And he said, and when they started doing those things with the Judaizers, they were saying that they needed all these poor Gentile men. They were telling them, hey, all right, you got the Holy Ghost, now you got to get circumcised. Whew. Almost won't quit right there. So, of course, when Paul said, oh, foolish Galatians, haven't I already taught you? Why? Because he already established the church. He already taught the church this. And now he's saying, since I've been gone, y'all been influenced by people. Did I ever teach that? And then he's saying, remember, I didn't teach that. So why are you being foolish to follow something that I didn't teach? So today, when we're opening up this book of Hebrews... We have to remember what was the purpose behind teaching the Hebrew people. You've got to remember that Hebrews uh, or, or, or the Jewish people, not everybody received the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, a lot of Jewish people did not receive Christ or accept that. A lot of people did not... Um, did not accept Jesus as being the Messiah. A lot of Jews did not um, believe that he came to save the world. Matter of fact, that's why the whole masses of people said, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Why? Because they did not believe. But there was those that did believe. And we know on the day of Pentecost that when they were all in one mind, one accord, the Holy Ghost fell, they all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. They come busting out of the upper room, and it was on the, the celebration of Pentecost, a Jewish holiday, which is what they celebrate still to this day. Uh, it is the, uh, the, the celebration uh, of the harvest. And, and so... All of these different uh, Jewish people from all over uh, the Roman Empire comes in and is uh, here to celebrate Pentecost and end up finding out that there's something different about this year. There's some folks that are running all over the place in this street here speaking in our language that we know they ain't supposed to be able to speak and others are... are, are feeling the power of God, and they're testifying of this, and, and then they start getting pricked in their hearts, and, and, and we know the story. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter begins to preach to them. There was 3,000 that received the Holy Ghost. Now, we, we understand, and they said they went house to house, and, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. But we got to remember, what is 3,000 people compared to a whole uh, nation, if you please. 3,000 people in Kentucky, um, that's 
that's just a little bit over the whole population of Katie's. Katie's is 2,500 people unless it's Hamfest. And, and so you've got to understand. Now, yes, they added to the church daily, so we don't have the accurate, complete number that everybody received Christ and got the Holy Ghost. It was Jewish um, descent, but we do know that it was obviously not enough to completely convert the whole nation of Israel. If that was the case, then we wouldn't have the nation of Israel here today. This also goes on the plan of prophecy that God said that I will, uh, 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 he'll be out of the root of, of Jesse, and then he will take another bride, and there will be a grafted in nation. Remember we talked, anybody remember me teaching on grafted, if you haven't, uh, uh, um, when I was talking about the vine, there was a grafted in nation. He was talking about that first the, the tree that he went to was the Hebrew people. So everybody say Hebrew. Children of Israel. Jewish people. God's chosen people, right? So that was the first people that God went to. He came to his own. His own received him not. And he, he had promised that there would be, he would turn to a different branch that would be grafted into the house of Israel. He also promised this to Abraham. He said, your seed is going to go way beyond the stars in the sky or the, 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 the grains of sand at the sea. We'll also find out later in studying that that we'll be part of the spiritual seed of Abraham. So all of this was foreordained by God that he was going to come, lay down his life. Uh, he, all of these practices and things that the Hebrew nation did through the law of Moses, through the festivals, and through the feasts, and, and through the sacrifices, and, and through Passover, and all of these things uh, was all, all pointing to Calvary. And so this grafted-in church was the Gentiles. Um, this grafted-in church was you and me. So when he came to his own, his own did not receive him, as prophecy said, that, that, that uh, he would be there and, and they wouldn't receive him. He would come and they wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't see him. Um, this is all a part of God's plan. That's why, uh, Sister Bray, that I can scratch my head very often and read the, the prophet's the, the, the books of the prophets and look at it and go how on earth can they not see that Jesus is the Messiah but it's because his word said that he would blind them of that and that's why today it is a stumbling block to them but there wasn't not all the Jewish people did not receive Jesus obviously had the 12 disciples. One did turn his back. And we'll find that there would be in the book of Acts that there would be another that would replace Judas. Um, so now we have already talked about the Romans. We've talked about the Corinthians. We've talked about the Colossians. And if the Lord directs me to teach on the other epistles, we'll do that as well. But, but we've talked about all these different churches. But today I want to... Uh, in this uh, several weeks, I'll say, it might turn into months more than likely, um, we're going to talk about the church of the Hebrew people. 
there were those that received it. And you have to understand that they, their whole life, followed after the law of Moses. Their whole life, they read the scroll or sat in synagogue and listened to the Psalms be read. Listen to Proverbs. Listen to their history. Listen to Isaiah. Over and over again, they would listen to these things. They would learn it from their childhood up. And now, all of a sudden, they have now received this supernatural Holy Ghost. And it's changed their life. And they realize Jesus, they had the, the uh, revelation that Jesus is the true Messiah. He was the one to come and to save the world. Amen? And so now they're going to, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews wants to go back and begin to show them how that everything that they did was not in vain, but however, it has now been fulfilled through Jesus. Amen? That's why we study the Old Testament. We don't throw the Old Testament out. We need the Old Testament. The Old Testament explains Jesus. Uh, makes it more clear. So Hebrews 1 and 1 reads just like this. Uh, it says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time, passed unto the fathers by the prophets. Right? So that's everything we were saying. So he's already establishing. And then, he's, then he goes on and says, And hath these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had, hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So, first thing he established right here, Brian, was God. The first word he says, God. In sundry times, in other words, in many times, has brought the revelation of things to come. He said through the prophets of old, he gave and he showed. And also he testifies and also spoke to these things by Jesus. Amen? Who created the world. Now, we just got through doing John. What does John 1 and 1 says? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was uh, the world was with God and the word was God. It says that ain't nothing made that wasn't made that was made. Something to that effect. Um, so here we're now still establishing God. God and the sonship of Jesus Christ who also made the worlds. How? Because God was manifested in the flesh through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, first off, Hebrews begins mentioning no author. Paul always would open up his book as uh, Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles or something to that nature. He would always uh, uh, talk about him. So, personally, I don't have any, any sound proof, but just in my own studying and stuff, I feel that Paul wrote Hebrews, or somebody that was with, that was with him. Um, that's why today, scholars do not know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, and my theory on it is, the reason why I believe Paul, is because Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee, had to know everything about the law. He couldn't be a Pharisee, 
unless he knew the law. He had to know the books. He had to know Scripture. That's why all through the epistles, Paul is always referring to Scripture. You'll always see the Old Testament text in the epistles because he had to know them. How on earth would he be able to teach in synagogue if he didn't know what he was teaching? So they, they went to their uh, version, if you will, of seminary, and he had to sit, and not only did he go to seminary, but he sat under the teacher, Gamaliel, who was the premier, if you will, professor of Jewish theology. And we'll see him reference that before. So um, that is why I feel that maybe Paul was the one that wrote Hebrews. But it is still unknown to this day. So there's many of people that, that would say that Paul wrote Hebrews, but Luke was the one that came back and translated into Greek. There's others that say that, that, that Paul wrote it, but he just didn't put his name on it. Um, there's a lot of people that say also... Uh, theorized that that he uh, it wasn't him that wrote it, but it was Barnabas Barnabas that wrote it because Barnabas traveled with Paul. So there was a lot of things that they learned uh, that he probably have learned or gleaned from him. Uh, there is also another Martin Luther uh, believed that Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews because Acts tells us how eloquent uh, Apollos was in teaching. So. No matter what we think or who wrote it, we do know that the purpose of this book being written was to the Hebrew people to show them and connect the dots, if you will, with the law and how Jesus fulfilled that. Remember Jesus said that I had come not to destroy the law but to fulfill it. He came to fulfill the law because it was, he was slain from the foundation of the world. So when he was even thinking of saying in the beginning, in other words, he had already been, the process had already been, uh, come, uh, or already came to his mind. Amen? Somebody say amen. I'm, I'm trying not to make it like a, like a, a, a college class here or something. I really am. I just want you to understand why we're, why, why we're, why we're reading and what we're reading. Amen. amen? Thank you, buddy. It's good to see you. Um, so this uh, description was probably, probably written uh, around 67 to 69 A.D. We know Jesus was crucified. Uh, roughly 33, 35 A.D. And uh, so we can say this is possibly 30 years after. How many of you know a lot of stuff can happen in 30 years? Amen? A lot of stuff can happen in 30 years. I mean, look at our own church. A lot of things happen in one year. So a lot of things can happen in 30 years. So um, in 30 years, there can be an established church, bishops put in place, pastors put in place. We know through the book of Acts that they had already started the church board. Uh, uh, the, uh, they already started who's ever presiders over the board. There was Peter and then there was John and, and, and James and, and all these board members and, and every time and missionaries was set. So a lot can happen in 30 years. I mean when this thing caught fire it exploded. That's why the Bible said 
that they turned their world upside down. Because it didn't just like, it wasn't just like, hey, I heard there's about 10 people down there that believe this. And then, oh, well, they grew to 50 after five years. No, this thing, it started blowing up on the day of the birth of the church. So, um, and it started with the Hebrews. What did he say? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Right? And it talks about to testify, to preach, to reach, to teach. First in Judea, the Hebrews. Then to Samaria, half Jew, half Gentiles, essentially. Then to the rest of the world, that's us. So it started, it started with the Hebrews. And then we find out the Samaritans, they received the Holy Ghost just like we did. And then Cornelius, the Gentiles, and then they heard them speak in tongues and found out, hey, they got the Holy Ghost just like we did too. So see how this thing went? So it started with the Hebrews first. Amen? So we say, God, this book starts out with no attempt but to just assume we already know God. He exists. He's the creator. He is the one true God. These, these are the people that understand Deuteronomy that says, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one, right? So, there, so when we're thinking about Hebrew, he's not teaching Hebrews, this, this Hebrew church, something they don't already know. He, he already, they already know what Passover is. They already know what the high priest is. They already know what a perfect lamb is because they had to do this. They were taught this. They already understand this. So he is talking to people that would refuse to believe that there is, no, there is more than one God in their, in their life. Somebody say amen. So when he's saying God, and then he starts talking about and through his son Jesus, they already understand that there was just being a distinguishment being, being Jesus being manifested in the flesh. But watch, I shared a video with uh, some, some of the members of the church here about how that God manifests himself in so many different ways and still be one God. Amen? So in Hebrews, God's going to be a high priest. He's going to be a lamb. He's going to be the consumed one. He's going to be the redeemer. He's going to be all kinds of things. He's going to be the king. He's going to be the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. We'll find that in, in Revelation. All of these things, it all rides up. So we're talking about people that know without a doubt he is talking to people that believe that there is one God and one God alone. Amen? I'm talking to people today that believe that there is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Amen. So... Now that he is talking about that, uh, he opens it up about God, our creator, sometimes throughout the years has revealed himself to many people. Most of the time he revealed himself through who? The prophets. If you look through the history uh, of Samuel and Kings, Chronicles, who did he talk through? Anybody? Who did he talk through? 
The prophets. Who did he talk to? The prophets. So he said, through many times, you know as, as, as Jewish people, I want you to, I'm not trying to, I don't want to offend, you know, you never know who watches on Facebook. I don't want to offend any, any Jews. I'm not calling us Jews, but I want us to, to look in the mind frame that you're a Jewish listener, okay? All right? So he's already talking to people that are Jewish listeners. And he's saying that you know that throughout all of our scripture and through everything that we've taught, that you've all, God has always revealed to us over and over, time and time, through the prophets. Isaiah being the one that we really esteem. Elijah, somebody we really esteem high. You know, Moses, because Moses was the one who God gave the law to. So, so we know that through all these prophets, even the prophet David, he was king, but he prophesied through his psalms. Um, we will find that a lot of their understanding came through the prophets. And so he spoke to them in many different ways. He spoke through them through uh, uh, dramatic incidents, uh, through psalms, through proverbs, and through the prophets alike. And so he starts with this by saying that, that he spoke through Moses. Let's think about it. He spoke, spoke to Moses by the burning bush. He spoke to, Elijah, spoke to Elijah with a still small voice. He spoke to Isaiah uh, by a heavenly vision. He spoke, through, he spoke through Hosea through his life, living that family crisis of his, of his wife uh, Gomer, uh, going through house to house in prostitution. He, he spoke through uh, Amos by a basket of fruit. We, can, we find all of these situations that he, various ways he spoke to his people. And yet, here he is today saying that not only did he speak through his prophets, but he also spoke through the flesh of Jesus Christ as he manifested himself to us. Amen? So, uh, um, we find out that through these last days, he says, and, and through these last times, what is he talking about? He is talking about the, the coming of the Messiah. What have they been looking for this whole time? They have been looking for a Messiah. What are they looking for today that are not Christian, Jewish Christians? What are they looking for, Brian? What are, what, are, what are Jewish people looking for right now still? They're still looking for the Messiah. To this day, they're still waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come. The Savior, the, the Redeemer, the one that's, gonna, that's going to be their, their Redeemer. Amen? But the writer of Hebrews is telling him, we've been looking for him, and we know that he came. We know that he came. And he, and he did exactly what he had promised. Amen? So we can, uh, we can, take, this, uh, uh, we can take this scripture, and, and, and I know that I've only did the first scripture here, and, and, and it seems like I can, I can go on 20 minutes on one. But it's the establishment of this book. The establishment of this book was who was this book written to, why was it written to, and how did they perceive this book? How did they receive this understanding? So one, Brian, who are they writing to? All right. And Heather, um, uh, why, did, why do you think they, there's no wrong, right or wrong answer, but why, would, why do you think that they were, he was writing to the Hebrews? What was his purpose? 
What was his gain? What was he getting out of, you know, re, you know, writing this book to them? Um, well, you're right. You're right. You're right. It wasn't doing it wrong. This book is not like the other, like the epistles. The other epistles. The other epistles were more for instruction, direction, you know, correction, stuff like that. Hebrews was more for connecting the dots, bridging the gap, building an understanding. Um, and it is, uh, uh, that's why we get a lot of our, it's Christology is what it is. It's the study of Christ. It's the study of understanding the whole purpose of Jesus Christ. Um, to people that understood the Hebrew way of life. Amen? I, 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 let me try to Alabamanize this. And, and, and you're my example, Sister Bryce. There are just some things we don't understand. I don't know what it's, how it is in Rochester and, and, and you in Huntsville, Alabama. So, uh, there's, there's ways that you can write to people in Rochester that are going to know exactly what you're talking about. Because that is your area, your people, your state, your, you know, your uh, demographic or wherever. People understand that. There are certain things that I say, and I already know this because some of y'all make fun of me sometimes, <laughs> that cannot be understood. James understands. <laughs> Sister Miller understands. My children don't understand because they're not from Alabama. They understand some of it sometimes. And the reason why they understand is through translation, right? So if we take me for an example. I'm going to write a book to the church of Huntsville. I'm going to write to their language that they understand. So there are going to be references that I'm going to say that you have to be from Alabama to know. Right? Flip that coin. Sister Rashonda, God has given her under, under the impression of the Holy Ghost to write an epistle to the church in Rochester. She is going to reference things and put stories in there and bring tie things together that they are going to know. You've got to be from this area. Not necessarily even just Rochester, but maybe that surrounding area. They all have that understanding. They know where she's coming from when she says that slang or this and that. That's the book of Hebrews. It was not a correction or anything like that. It was... I'm going, to, as I'm going to write to the Hebrew people. My timer went out. Um, it's, the audio's going, so at least you'll have that. Um, I'm writing to the Hebrew people that are going to understand already what I'm talking about. So, as we study through Hebrews... You've got to keep in mind, Hebrew people are reading this book. There are going to be references in there that's going to take us way back to the Old Testament in Leviticus 
and they are not going to, we're going to have to study it out. But they know that because that's their slang. That's their life. Take, take Pentecostalism. There are things that being from Rochester and being from Alabama as Pentecostals, we all say the same thing. There are a lot of things Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost might be a little different. <laughs> Sis, that, we'll explain that later. <laughs> but essentially, she might say Holy Spirit, we say Holy Ghost, but we both believe in speaking in tongues. Amen? So we have that common... So. When we're writing to the, so when I can go up here and say, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when the Spirit comes upon you, you're going to speak. Nobody in here is going to be confused what I'm talking about. Everybody understands. Amen. So, so Spirit and Ghost is interchangeable. And not one time anybody would say, well, wait a minute. Is he saying, is he talking about a ghost or is he talking about getting the Spirit? <laughs> Amen? Amen. Does that make sense? That's the book of Hebrews. You might be a, a, a Jewish person in Somalia, and you might be a Jewish person in, 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 in the Corinth area, but you're all Hebrews and you're all Jewish people, so you might have a different dialect or a different way of saying things, but essentially we can all read it and understand exactly the point. So, as we begin to study about this, um, Again, we're talking to people that know this language. They, they're not confused by it. Matter of fact, if anything, they're amazed by it, how it all tied together. If anything, it's going to wow them. Throughout the whole book of Hebrews, we're going to talk about the people of old and how the people of old were made in samples to us today. That's Hebrews. I'm excited about it already. I mean, I could sit here and talk about Hebrews for hours. Because if you want to, if you want to have a better understanding of the Old Testament, Hebrews will help you have that understanding. Because basically what it does, it's going to tie all of that stuff together, bag it up, and put Jesus' name on it. Amen. So... We understand that as we read this, go to verse 2, please. Um, and hath by these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he had made the world. So we understand Jesus is the creator of all worlds. But also the Bible says, in the beginning God created. There's no confusion to the Hebrews here, because they know who the creator is. All right? Next verse. Who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself... Per Man, it, it's already getting good. Whew. Had purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. We've already known and established right there. 
This God that created everything, He is the one that all by Himself purged our sins. What an introduction. That's going to be the whole book of Hebrews. Yes, ma'am. The right hand. We will find out through Scripture and through uh, all even the Old Testament uh, 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 studies that when they talk about the right hand of power, that is being at the, the uh, extreme or to the exalted same power of whoever that king is, if you will. So even if they did in the natural, the king, uh, the king was, he would always refer to his right hand of power or his right hand of authority. Uh, so when he's saying that he sat at the right hand, why? God is what? Come on, somebody say it. Come on, God is? God is? I'm looking for a specific word. God is? God is. God is. Somebody's going to say it. Nope, God is? Nope, God is? Just say a word. God is? God, close. God is? God is? Just give me a word. God is? Close. Close. God is? God is? God is? All right, you ready? I'm, I'm about to blow your mind. Ready? You ready? God is spirit. And those that must worship him must worship him in and in truth, right? So no one has ever seen God. Remember that scripture as well? Why? Because God is? How are we going to see Jesus sitting on the throne? Because he became manifest in the flesh, and that flesh was crucified, and now his glorified body, which being his expressed image of his person. Amen? Make sense? Any questions? So... On somebody's right hand. I mean, that'd be. <laughs> and then I sit down. Come on, have a seat. God is spirit. All authority, all power, all righteousness, all holiness, all everything that God is. Jesus was that expressed image. So that same Jesus had the same power, the same majesty. He was also the creator of the world. I love this book. I love it. I love it because he is saying, listen, the introduction to Hebrews is talking exactly about who is Jesus by himself. He wasn't saying that God was sitting over here and Jesus all by himself. They made sure God spoke through our prophets to tell us about this was going to happen. And Jesus spoke to us that he was the all by himself, he purged our sins, and Jesus is also that express image of this invisible God that world, the world could not see because no one has seen God until Jesus was manifest in the flesh. And this same Jesus has the same all-power and ability that John talked about being in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and everything that was created was created by 
him all by himself. Amen. Again, what an introduction to Hebrews. Next verse. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Somebody tell me, what is that excellent name? Act like you're apostolic for a second. There you go. What was that most excellent name that was given? A name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He got a better name, a more excellent name. And guess what? When you got baptized in his name, that name, that excellent name got applied to your life. That's why the name of Jesus is the only thing that can purge your sins all by himself because no one else can do it. It wasn't, it wasn't something that we just thought it wasn't this person of the Godhead or this person of the Godhead. It was God by himself and his excellent name is is Jesus and all by himself his sin or his blood purged our sins praise God next verse and for unto which of the angels said he at any time thou art my son this day have I begotten thee real quick who wrote that in the Old Testament who wrote that There you go, Brian. Excellent. It's a song. David wrote that. He said that this day thou art my son, and this day I have begotten thee. That means that even back when our prophets, remember, sundry times, he speaks to our prophets. David, being one of those prophets, spoke about this coming. What does he mean? He is the only begotten son. He is the only begotten. What does that mean? That means that he was the only perfect begotten of God. There was Mary, human, and then there was the Holy Ghost or Spirit. That, that when conception of, uh, of, of the miraculous conception happened, there was a God. Not part God and part man. Not not all human and with a little bit of God in him, not all God and no humanity. There is actually people there, they call it divine flesh. We don't teach divine flesh. You know what divine flesh is? Divine flesh is that Jesus was, uh, even though he was perfect, he could not have failed ever, or he was not really human. That's not the begotten of the Father. Begotten of the Father is actually... He was, you take your hands kind of like this, he was the intertwined human and God all in one. Brian, his whole body is a mixture of me and Sister Miller. There ain't like, he ain't half Sister Miller and this half is me. His DNA, his cells, his organs, every part of his body has a thumbprint that has my print in there and Sister Miller's print in there that has our DNA synced in. When Jesus was, was walking on earth, he was fully God and fully man. And that's where he was saying that it, I'm going to be, have a begotten son 
who is going to not only be, it's not only going to be me walking here, but I'm going to be fully human too. And I'm going to be perfect. And I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice. I'm going to be, and, 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 I, and matter of fact, just to remind you, you remember your, your, your Hebrews listening to this, right? Let me, let me share that verse with you. That, remember that psalm David wrote? Chapter 2, verse 7. Of course, they didn't have chapters and, set, and verses, so it was just... That, thank you, James. Remember that song we used to sing? Remember that song we used to sing and sing? Oh, I don't know how it went, you know. <laughs> Thou art my son, and today I've begotten thee. Tambourines. Bass guitars, you know. Hammond organ. Praise Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Right? It's kind of like, hey, when we start talking about heaven, what do we do? A lot of times you hear somebody say, man, you remember that song we used to sing of old? Oh, some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. Right? Well, he, the writer of Hebrews was saying, hey, remember the song we used to sing about the begotten? Guess what? He's the expressed image of God's. Woo! He is the express image of God. He is sitting at the right hand of power. He is the majesty. He is the one that purged our sins all by His self. Amen. So when He said in Isaiah, I am the Savior and there ain't nobody else that can do it, that's the same guy. That's the same person that came and saved you all by Himself. He said, yeah, I can look to my left, can't find nobody. Look to my right, there ain't nobody there. I can look to the past, present, and future, and guess what? There ain't nobody there. I got to counsel to my own will. I got to look around and find somebody. There ain't nobody out there. If there was somebody else out there, he would have mentioned it right then. But he didn't. And the writer of Hebrews knew that the, the Hebrew listeners knew that. And so they were saying, that is who. So we're going to start it out. Here's my introduction to you, Hebrews. This great God that we've been worshiping and going to synagogue over and doing all these things, guess what? Ain't it exciting to now know who He is? Aren't you excited to know? We sung all these songs about it. We told all these stories about it. We've done all these things. And guess what? Now we know who He is. And not only... Not only did he fulfill the law, but now we don't have to keep doing that old stuff anymore. Now we can just go to him by ourselves. What a concept. Remember, their whole life they had to go to somebody else. In other words, they had to report to somebody. They had to report to somebody, here's my sins, here's my mistakes, here's my, here's my lamb, here's my bird. Here we go. Right? Now he's like, Christ did away all of that. So now you can boldly go to Christ. You can boldly go. Hey, nobody was bold enough to go in the Holy of Holies. Man, even the high priest was nervous to go in the Holy of Holies because if he got it messed up, he was going to fry too. Amen? One person. But now he said, guess what? You don't have to worry about one person. Oh, I can't wait to get to the other chapter. You don't have to worry about this one guy that's going to do this every year that could mess it up. He said, now you, Richard, you can boldly go right here 
and make your, make your petition known to him, you right here can, can ask him to forgive you. You by yourself can do that. And guess what? This God, you don't have to go through this God to go through this God. Has anybody ever worked with government before? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or, or work for nonprofit, and, and, and I know that you're, you're, you're studying about grants and stuff like that. Dude, there's, loot, there's stuff that you have to go through. You have to go through this, and you have to go through that, to go through this, to go talk to this man, to talk to this man, to get to this man, to get the answer so that it can come back to this guy, that guy, that guy, that guy to give you the answer that you're asking for. And then after you get the answer or permission, then you have to go this way and this way to get that permission and then it goes back to that guy, to this guy, to that guy, to this guy, to that guy to say, yes, you can do that. That was their life to get forgiveness. Now, guess what? We always talk about, especially in government, we're going to cut out the middleman. Guess what? When Jesus died on the cross, no more middleman. You can boldly go straight to the man himself and say, God, I messed up. I'm a failure. I, I did wrong. And you know what he said? All by himself and all by yourself. He can purge your sins just like that. Yes. Praise God. And that is my introduction to Hebrews. I know my two brethren just missed it. Amen. <laughs> but thank y'all. Thank y'all for y'all's hard work. Um, and, 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 and listen, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. I am telling y'all, I'm going to try to teach... Bible study. But if I do a cartwheel every once in a while, it's just because I love this book that much because it is just, it'll blow your mind about how, it, how the mighty God in Christ, how the purging of our sins, how he was not only a high priest, but he was the perfect spotless lamb. My God. Amen. And not, not only does he talk about that, but then later on in Hebrews, we're going to get encouraged. Our faith is going to get encouraged because he's going to start, the, he, the dude's going to start, start naming all these people and by faith, and by faith, and by faith, and by faith. And by, by the time we get through with that chapter, we'll be like, man, I think we can do anything. Yeah. Amen. 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 Anybody got any questions? Yeah, go back step out. Well, uh, and it, well, honestly, and, and that's, 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 that's a good point. I mean, that's why I was saying I know it's going to be difficult and, and, and to not, not to even try to compare to another culture or this and that, but we have to do our best as we go through this study to try to put ourselves in the shoes of a Jewish person. We have to try. We Gentiles will never know we can have an understanding, but we'll never really know what it's like or appreciate it as much as these Hebrew Christians because, just like you said, um, they lived it, raised on it, all they knew, and then all of a sudden they got this revelation too. Um, the closest thing that I can make an example is whether you like it or not, um, different cultures and backgrounds, even here in the United States, 
We can understand. We can have an understanding, maybe a glimpse into it, but you'll never know it unless you walk in those shoes. And that goes to all different cultures. So, um, <laughs> man, what was that about? <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so you understand? So, so just like Sister Miller was saying, reading this book, the only thing that we can do, Brother James, the best that we can do is try our best to think like a Jewish person, to appreciate it. But the people that wrote, that read this book, they were doing this and then got the revelation of Jesus Christ. You have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, God, God, if he, ever, if he ever instructs me or directs me to start teaching on the book of Leviticus, y'all, we'll be here for two or three years. <laughs> I'm tell you. I'm going to tell you because that is a long book of laws. You know how they... Uh, I, I, watch, I watch the State of the Union today, so, so like government's on my mind. I'm not getting into politics tonight. I'm just saying. So, you know, like all these promises, you know, that government people make and all this stuff, you know, if you put me in there, I'm going to cut out this and that, and you can put all this stuff on a postcard, your taxes on a postcard, as I have yet to be able to put all my taxes on a postcard, just did them. Jesus actually promised that and did it, he said, all right, we've got this big law code here called Leviticus, but after I get done, you're going to be able to get salvation on one postcard. Acts 2 and 38. Does that make sense? So, I guess that's my best comparison. <laughs> Probably not the greatest. But my point is, is the struggle is real when you do your taxes. It's like, I got to put more stuff down. And I got to do all of this. And I got to write that. And here's my blood type. And, and, and I don't even know why they want to know who I voted for. So I tell them nobody. I Ain't nobody going to get me. <laughs> I ain't telling nobody that. Somebody up at the IRS be like, oh, okay, I got you. I got you. We're going to watch you. You know, nah, nah, I'm independent. We'll keep it there. How about that? <laughs> um, amen? So, so we got all these, all these laws and stuff that we have to go through and endure, and so we would really appreciate it. Especially if you have a small business or your own business, you'll definitely appreciate being able to fill it out on a postcard. Well, Jesus did that. And, 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 and that's why they were so appreciative of that salvation because, boy, they had to go through a lot of stuff. We use the term red tape, right? Red tape. Literally, blood, bloody red tape they had to go through just to get salvation. What even real salvation? We'll get into that later, but it wasn't even real salvation. It was just pushing it up, procrastinating 